When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to 49 Unbeaten, the official Arsenal Babble podcast. Uh, we come for a bit of a football week roundup. It's been a crazy past kind of seven days. We've had some lots of action to uh, dissect and discuss. Got Josh and Ben as per usual. And we're also joined by Chris Davison and Eduardo Hagen. How are you doing, guys? All good? Been great, people. Thank you. Oh, good mind as well. Thanks for having me on. Good to hear, lads. Good to hear. So, in a kind of crazy week, we've got we can't really not talk about it, but we've got to talk about the um, extremely disappointing exit to the uh, Europa League, drawing 0-0 at Emirates Stadium with Villarreal. Josh, we're just going to start off kind of, what are your feelings? I know you've had some time to get your anger out and vent your frustration via Twitter, but um, Josh, what are you kind of feeling about, um, what's your feeling now about the whole game? It was... It was just a weird tie, wasn't it? Really, we sort of he sort of Arteta tinkered with the formations in both legs with the selections, and I think as soon as we saw playing the false nine in the away leg, you sort of knew it wasn't going to go our way. I think um, just disappointing we couldn't score in the at the Emirates. That's all we needed one goal in it. Yeah, didn't go away. We had suspensions. It, it you can't complain really. We didn't really deserve to go through, and I mean potentially no European football next season unless we sort of win the next few games and qualify for the Conference League. But just disappointed. <laughs> disappointed, but not surprised, which sums up this season, really. Mm, yeah, we've joked about it on the podcast, oh, you wait for Conference League, oh, it could never be us. And now we're looking like we might not even qualify for it. Chris, just kind of, what, what was your initial reaction to being knocked out? And what has that changed since times passed and you've, you've managed to kind of have a, a kind of another take on it? I think the, the saddest part for me was when that full-time whistle went. I didn't actually feel anything emotionally. You know, I wasn't upset. I think, obviously, I was angry, very disappointed. But I also wasn't surprised. And that, that, that is the saddest thing for me. It, it was typical Arsenal, wasn't it? We were on about, you know, our biggest game of the season. Um, we knew we had to, to give it everything and score a goal to get back into the tie and, and give ourselves a chance of progressing through to the final. But it was just nowhere near the standards required. It was nowhere near good enough. Obviously, we went close a couple of times. Um, but apart from that, you know, it was it was really, really poor. And, um, you know, I think 
the fact that I didn't real really feel anything at uh, full time. Sorry, and I know a lot of Arsenal fans didn't as well. They weren't that shocked by it. Um, you know, it, it just goes to show you know the situation we're in at the minute and how far we have fallen as a football club. Um, and uh, yeah, when you're becoming used to things like that and outcomes like that, then uh, it, it means we're in serious trouble and we're not in a good position. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it's um, it's just really disappointing. Um, and you know, watching the West Brom game yesterday again, no real emotion towards that because you're thinking, oh, I just want this season to end now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the 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 remaining few games don't really mean anything. Um, so yeah, um, obviously really disappointed and, and um, uh, angry that we didn't put in that performance that was needed and we didn't progress to the final. We knew the significance of the Europa League for us this season. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't, to, it wasn't to be, was it unfortunately? And, uh, yeah, it just sums up our season. I think the frustrating thing, the most frustrating thing for me was, and I'm sure you guys will echo me on this, was the fact that why couldn't, like those goals we scored were three very high quality goals. Why couldn't we just have one of those moments when we mm. played Villarreal on Thursday night? Eduardo, just kind of on that similar kind of vibe and a similar kind of question, do you think that's the season done for us now? Or do you think there's anything, like, do you think there's a chance we can get into Europe? I mean, the season's over, at least in my eyes. I don't really, I don't really want to get into the Conference League because that would be like tarnishing the image of the club even though it's already tarnished, but getting into that, we're going to be a laughing stock as we are now. But I think a season without Europe, I prefer that to having the Conference League and playing teams like Rubin Kazan and things like that. So <laughs> the thing is, I was devastated when that whistle blew. So a part of me just broke in a thousand pieces and I wanted to cry. And the tears came out of my face and I was like, no, man, I can't, I can't accept my club being in this situation after, after all the glory we've come from. And personally, I just want to see us go back to competing. I'm not even asking you for a league title or anything, at least compete for that top four regularly and not be a laughing stock to the whole league every single weekend, man. Like yesterday, people were celebrating like crazy. Willian first goal. I was like, oh yeah, okay, nice. This guy scored his first goal in the almost the last game of the season, and everybody's happy. I can't be happy. This season has been an embarrassment to everyone. And the, the situation's dire, but we have to change something this summer. I think the latest reports are saying that we're gonna we're gonna spend heavily. So we have to look forward to that. And if we don't, we are doomed. Yeah. Well, it's I think there's a lot of talk to be had over the summer with this whole speculation of the Danuet takeover. And we hear all these these kind of noises coming out, the Cronkies, like, um, I think on the AFC Bell tweeted out saying that apparently the Cronkies are going to attempt to do something exceptional this summer. And I'm just like, if they haven't done it in the previous however many years, like nearly a decade they've been here, why are they suddenly going to do it now? I mean, you could argue we need it most now, but if we don't get into Europe next season... Ben, do you think that is the worst thing that could happen to us? Or do you think there's some positives that come with that? I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. Um, you know, it sounds it sounds stupid to say if you don't get into Europe, it's not a bad thing. But I mean, there's a lot of positives to not playing in Europe, even if the negatives are like, you know, it's a, it's a bad thing. 
to be not in Europe, but there are positives to take from it, I suppose, the way to look at it. Like, we can say, instead of playing Thursday, Sunday, we're going to be playing Saturdays, you know, every week. It's going to be six days on the training ground for Arteta to actually force what he wants to do instead of this sort of every two days we're flying somewhere or, you know, we're going to a different hotel or whatever. There's going to be a lot more time to get across what he wants to do. And also, I think it will be a lot better for us in terms of squad depth. You know, we have a lot of, there's a lot of drop-off in our squad about, you know, if you start with Party and Jacker and then you drop down to Sabahs now and any, there's quite a significant difference. Whereas, you know, if you're only playing every week as opposed to like two, three times a week, Party Jacker can probably play most games. And, you know, that's, you're going to be able to play your strongest team more often, which I think is going to be really important. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's it's weird because we haven't not been in Europe in my, you know, in my lifetime. So it's going to be a different sort of season for everybody. But I think there are positives to take from it, even if it's you know a disastrous season for us not to get into Europe in the first place. Mm. Obviously, after Thursday night, so many fa- a lot of fans were very very, I think gutted. Sons are very downhearted. Very just just like it felt like Olympiacos, like Baku last seasons gone by um and a lot of fans suddenly started calling for the manager started calling for even more for the owners to go and I think a lot of people including a lot of people at Vavil included felt that it was time for Mikel Arteta to go I think Josh you were one person that was quite heavily um criticizing the manager Mm. but just to kind of Chris just your opinion did you ever want Arteta out after that game or do you think that's just too reactionary and he still needs that time and that backing that we can give him, hopefully? Well, I must admit, it was the, the first time where I've sort of had the, the serious doubts over him and serious questions, you know. Um, he obviously set the team up for that semi-final. He told them how to play. He told him what, you know, what he wanted from those players. And for some reason, they just didn't deliver, you know, nowhere near good enough, as I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple of decisions left me a little bit baffled. I taking a Bamiang off when we're needing a goal. He, he, he's yeah. gone the closest to scoring all night as well. So I still think he could have taken someone else off. Um, look, it, it's such a difficult one. And I'm really split on this whole, you know, Arteta talk because... Of course, we could we could sack him, whether it would be now or at the end of the season, and, and bring someone else in. Um, but I still think that, uh, and again, this is a personal opinion, that the, the problems run a lot deeper than the manager. Um, and I've said before, you know, we could have a world-class manager, one of the best managers out there in charge of this Arsenal team, be it a Guardiola or a Jurgen Klopp. And I still think we wouldn't see... Uh, that much progression or more progression than we've seen under Arteta um, in the same amount of time that Arteta's had under a new manager um, uh, like that. Um, There's certain individuals in this squad and at this club that aren't good enough to play for it and represent it. Um, There's still a lot of work to be done behind the scenes in terms of getting the squad how Arteta wants it and and the, the individuals he wants to work with. Um, and I, uh, you know, it, it's sacking a manager is the easy answer, isn't it? And we're, we've gone on about this process for a long time, you know, and, and Arteta bringing a new dawn on Arsenal Football Club, a new era. Um, 
And, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. We know that. We know that this was a big, big project for Arteta to take on. You know, he's a, an inexperienced manager as well, new to the job. Um, and uh, I just think that maybe the wise thing to do is, is see what happens over the summer. Say the Cronkays um, invest hugely into the team and, and support the manager. Um and we made some make some really good signings in the, in the coming months. Um, we we ship out the other players that that don't want to be here or, or aren't good enough, and see how we end up. Maybe sort of the start of next season, halfway halfway through. And if again there's still no major sort of developments and improvements, then yes, I think change will be needed because we can't carry on like this. We can't afford to. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think you know. Um, it's only fair Arteta has maybe his first proper full pre-season with, with, with the team, gets some new players in, um, he, he gets back, gets supported over the summer. And then I think it's more fair to judge him maybe at the start of next season or at least halfway through. And like I say, if we're not seeing that, uh, that progress that we need to be seeing, especially after um, heavy investment in the summer, then questions do need to seriously be asked and change may even be needed here for sure. What, what yeah. do you see as progress? You know, are we talking, what sort of levels of progress are we talking? We're talking top four, top six, Ben, in my opinion. We need to get back to the very top level. Um, this, this football club is, is, um, is still huge. It's still massive in the footballing world. We know that. Um, and that will never change regardless of, of, of where we're at, you know, in the league or, or what sort of season this, uh, this team has had. We know Arsenal Football Club is a huge club. Um, and I just think that with the players we have got, you know, when you compare them to other sides in the league, we should be doing so, so much better. And for, for whatever reason, we aren't at the moment. Um, but yeah, I just think progress is, is seen as, as, uh, as a top four, top six finish. Um, staying in those European competitions, um, competing with the very best. Um, and obviously, we, we'd all like some more silverware, won't we? And I know Arteta won the FA Cup uh, in his first season, but that's just got to be the start. We should be building on that now. We should have been building on that this season. We had, a obviously, at the time, what seemed to be a, a very good summer with the likes of Gabriel, Partey coming in. You get an experience and Premier League experience in Willian. And, you know, for whatever reason, although maybe we can, you know, separate Gabriel at the start of the season, he had a very good start until the injuries hit. But everyone really is just, you know, not been anywhere near good enough or reaching the standards that they should be. Um, so, yeah, for me, Ben, that would be sort of the progress and we need to get back there as soon as possible. Yeah, no, I agree. That's very much my... Excuse me, my very um, standpoint of a manager as well, I'd say. Um, I think alongside a lot of players not being good enough this season, um, I do think we've been unlucky with a lot of injuries as well. You've had the likes of, more recently, Lacazette doing his hamstring in when he started playing well for us. You've had Kieran Tierney, who's been on the sidelines for a lot of this season. And, well, yeah, like you said, Gabriel, Thomas Partey have had their injuries when they've come to form. So I think we've been unlucky with that side of things. Eduardo, what's your what's your current standpoint on the manager? I know you were very vocal about um, a lot of people within the club not being good enough and very much agree with you on that standpoint. But do you think Arteta is still the right man for us or do you think he needs to be replaced? And if you do, who do you think would be the right man for the job? 
Well, of course, we, we say things that we, we sometimes regret after events like an, that happened Thursday. But for me, I haven't seen any progress apart from some better defensive structure this season. And for me, that's unacceptable. A shot in a game, you have to score only one shot against Villarreal last Thursday. For me, you, you can't defend that. And even if you have two, three in, injuries, you have to go out there. You have to set your players to win. When I was watching that game, I thought Villarreal were looking for the goal. Sometimes the first half, you, you, you question yourself, why are we defending? Why are we just laying back and not doing anything? And look, we are ninth in the league right now, thankfully, because we're 15th at some point. And for me, that's unexcusable. On the other side, though, I don't trust the owners or the executives to appoint the right manager to take this club forward. So... I'm in a point where I think if he goes, it's okay. And if he stays, it's okay as well. Because yeah. the people here just don't, don't, are incompetent, as I always say. And I just pray, pray they change something after this debacle that we, we saw this last Thursday and the whole season as well. It's been an, an embarrassment to everybody. And that can't happen again. Our first season without Europe in 25 years. We are nowhere near the level acceptable. Look at, look at what Tuchel has done at Chelsea. Then you ask yourself, can we attract a manager like that? Or can the board find someone with that type of uh, impact on the club? And I don't think so. I don't think the right man is out there for us. People say Allegri. I don't agree. People watching Arteta's lineup the other day were saying we were negative. I think we were negative, but if you see Allegri, he's just as negative. So we come from a culture of playing good free-flowing football because of Wenger. And we have to respect that. We have to respect the values and what the fans expect. So I think going forward, I, we, we can just pray to, to invest heavily this summer, get the right players in, and to see if Arteta is the right man, we will have to wait until the first couple of games in the season. And if if it all goes wrong, you have to change because we can't afford to have another season like this. If, For me, his trial will be the first 10 games in the league next year. If he doesn't pass that trial, you have to sack him. For, for all four of you, um, so it, it, I didn't need a word, actually. Do you have faith in the Arsenal hierarchy to bring in the right players to make the team, to put the team back in the right direction? I don't think you can because you look at where we are, the position we're in. Like, it's all well and good promising to spend however much money you're willing to spend, but how we can't go and get the targets we want. We can't go and get world-class talents without offering them European opportunity. We can't get Awa or Kamaviga or Edward or whoever we want to get to improve where we need to improve because who's going to come to us? You see our best players want to leave, reportedly, because we can't offer that. Like Leno, maybe sort of Lacazette might want to move on. It's... If you're going to sack Arteta, you do it straight off the end of the season and give the manager a whole summer to rebuild. If you're not, you can't sack him halfway through the window because then you have half a window with one manager and half a window with another. And then you give him a full season because then what's the point in doing it then with a January window when no one's going to move? But I don't think we can trust anyone at the club at the moment. Players, management, VNI, Josh, Ed, uh, Josh, Stan, whoever it is. So it's a really difficult predicament we find ourselves in. But I'm not buying this positive summer talk because I don't think we'll be able to get anyone that we actually want or need. I think this summer is the first window where we'll be able to properly judge Edu, Arteta, Vinay and the board for 
like, are they the right people for the job? Because I thought we had a good summer transfer window last summer. And I think we've had good summer transfer windows in the last couple of um, couple of years. However, this season, we most likely won't have the European football. And the danger we could fall into is if we lose our best players or we lose Leno, we lose the likes of a Lacazette or a Bamiang, then we need to make sure that we still go into the new season stronger than we ended the last one or we won't see any change. But just obviously, we will talk a bit more about... Um, transfers and who we think we could get at the um at the end of the episode but we had a a game which I think well you guys would agree with me was underwhelming against West Brom it was probably the most underwhelming victory I've had as an Arsenal fan just after the the um the manner of the Villarreal game but Ben just kind of to sum up your overall emotion from after that game what what are the positives you can take for that because we're gonna we're gonna keep upbeat on this positives um well, William scored. That was yeah. good. <laughs> um, Smith Rowe, again, opening his you know, account for the club in the Premier League. Uh, Saka looked good at left-back, which is you know, something we've spoken about for a while. Um, makes you wonder what, would have been, you know, what could have been. Um, yeah. But he was, he was very good at left-back. Um, I thought that we were shown the levels of our midfield that by the fact that party came on when we were struggling and we immediately got a lot better and went and got that third goal. Um, you know, really showed the the difference, even though it's not always obvious by, you know, statistics or whatever, but simply by moving the ball faster, picking up the right positions in transition, that sort of thing, stuff that is, you know, intangible to statistics. Um, I thought we actually looked quite good and could have scored, could have scored six or seven. Um, that, that um, move down the left-hand side that kept resulting in low crosses into the box uh, was was brilliant. But again, that's sort of the one trick Arsenal have at the moment. You know, you didn't really see much come from anywhere else, which is what would worry me going forward. I mean, I know we put Saka at left-back instead of on the right. Um, but aside from that one moment of magic from Pepe, the rest of it was sort of a bit average all over the pitch, apart from the Saka-Willian combination, I thought. Eduardo, do you think that Mikel Arteta not playing Saka at left-back was a big mistake for the Villarreal game? I think so. I've been an advocate for Saka to play left-back for a while, and for some reason he, he doesn't want to try what has already worked before. I think this game had barely any positives apart from three points because I, I get nothing from beating 19th place West Brom. We relegated them, so it's not like... For, for example, if it would have been Chelsea that would be 3-1, I would say, yes, that's an improvement. Come on. But nothing, man. We will see what we do on, on Wednesday. So that will be the real test. I, I want to see a performance there. I want to see some, some pride, some mentality, some fight for the badge. So, look, that game, I was like, they scored and I didn't even celebrate because I, I had no intention to, to even waste my time watching that game because they wasted all of our times last game so yeah i was i I was just careless i want to see more improvement heading on to the final few games to the season i want the club to win every single game i don't want any more excuses because the season has been full of excuses man arteta after the uh, after Villarreal said we deserve to win the tie that's bollocks man come on and man we can only pray as i as i'm saying in this last three times i've spoken and we have to ship as many players as we can out that are not good enough, mm. even if, if it has to be, like I said, because 
with him, he, he, I don't think we're going to reach top four. So we have to plan. And sadly, I wanted to touch on this before, but I think we have that idea that if we, we don't make European football, we're doomed because our owner doesn't really spend. A team like Chelsea, if, if they go without Europe one year, they don't care. They can go out, Abramovich splashes the cash, and they're yeah. back competing next year. The, the, the year they signed N'Golo Kante, they ended up 10th. We, we are thinking here that we can't sign a player from, from West Ham because we ended up ninth. So imagine. Yeah. That's the situation we're in, and we have to change that. Yeah, you're right. It was, can I say quickly? Although yeah. we won, there was still, it was still quite frustrating because it was everything almost that you wanted from Arteta for the rest of the season mm-hmm. in the game that literally has no meaning. It's yeah. difference of finishing 8th or 11th. You play the guy at left back who is mobile over the guy who, frankly, is a makeshift left back and sort of is just there for strength. You sort of get a Willian goal, you get free flowing second football, you get early changes, which we haven't seen in 18 months. Yeah. You still see mistakes. You sort of, the Pereira goal ran 60 yards and you had Elneny not tracking back. So Bios let him go. Gabriel at least made an attempt to make a tackle, but didn't get anywhere near him to block it so it's it's all well and good sort of doing it wrong point of the season but there was still a lot of next season. we scored three great goals but conceded. Yeah, but you would you wouldn't expect it to go from absolutely awful to absolutely perfect you know no it's not it's yeah. it's one of those things where yes it was West Brom but the ball was moved like things that we could control we did better we moved the ball faster I don't know it was West Brom you always got to come back to that fact but we we actually moved the ball faster we looked like Saka in, against West Brom was the first time in about 10 games I've watched somebody actually overlap and attack a fullback, which I think was something that Arsenal, we, we have this weird obsession with getting the ball to our wingers' feet, 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 and then them looking back instead of looking to take on the man or wait for an overlap. It's just seeing that, even the most basic thing about football, you're just thinking that's better than what we saw against Villarreal. We've got some... Uh... Three final games a season. We've got uh, we've got um, we end the season with a game at Brighton at the Emirates. But before that game, we've got two away trips. We've got Sta- we've got to go to Stamford Bridge to play Chelsea on Wednesday, and we've got um, we're going to Crystal Palace um, to play them. Chris, kind of, I know it's Chelsea, and I mean they're playing amazing football at the moment. They've got themselves to an FA Cup final, a Champions League final. Should we, be, should we be scared going into this game? Should we kind of fear the worst? Or is, is there anything to play for? Bragging rights, like what's your kind of emotions for this game? I don't think we should be scared. I think, you know, like uh, Idu said a few moments ago, we want to go there and with a bit of pride and a bit of fight, the desire, um, you know, uh, and I think we're capable of doing that. Um, but again, uh, it's going to be more of a confidence thing, especially after last Thursday and, about picking the players up. You'd like to think that the win yesterday has is, is helped a little bit. Um, but Chelsea's going to be a, a completely different game and it's going to be much tougher. Like you said, uh, Dan, they're playing some lovely football at the moment. Their confidence is sky high. Um, and uh, they're at home as well. So it's, it's going to be a, a difficult game. Um, they're going to be difficult to break down. Um, but hopefully we can, we can sort of carry on uh, that fast-moving uh, football we, we played yesterday and, and, and take it to Stamford Bridge on Wednesday. Um, that's, that's what we're going to have to be. We're going to have to be ruthless. We're going to have to work hard on and off the ball. We're going to have to take our chances, create lots of chances as well. Um, 
if we want to get anything from that game. Um, Do you but think again, it could be a full strength Chelsea team, especially with the cup final at the weekend? Is there sort of any risk, not risk, but any chance they'll play sort of Kepa rather than Mendy or whether mm. some of the, not youngsters, but some of the more rotation squad players will get in and not give us a chance, but you'd rather face Kepa and them rather than Mendy and Werner and Havertz. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there probably is a, a strong chance they'll rotate, like you say, with the, the cup game in, in mind. Um, but again, you know, this overall, there's still a strong side. We're going to have to to, um, to, to play really well, um, be confident. Um, and yeah, like, like, like again, like Edu said, like I mentioned a moment ago, we just want to see them play with some pride, some desire, um, some fight in them. There's, again, there's, there's not, you know, anything or much to play for this season now. And, um, you know, the, uh, the excitement surrounding our games and our upcoming games between now and the end of the season is, isn't really there now. And, um, it, you know, what will be will be. Um, obviously, it would be nice to go there and win. Again, they're a, a London rival. And um, because of, of where they are in the league and obviously they're in the Champions League final, it will be sort of a, a success to beat them. It would, it would be um, a good result. But, um, you know, uh, what what I tend to do with Arsenal now is prepare for the worst. And, uh, you know, if it all goes um, Pete Tong, then, uh, you know, you won't be that surprised. But um, obviously, if we were to get, get a good result, then that'll be, it would be nice. Josh, what's, uh, what are the big, like, what players must be playing in that game for us? What are the most essential kind of decisions Mikel Arteta has to make? I mean, on paper, you sort of say Tierney has to start, Aubameyang has to start. You sort of have a Lacazette's informed does he get in there um, with Smith and Saka are impressed. But I mean, Aubameyang's not really delivered this season. Tierney's been good when he's been playing, but he's had a lot of injuries. Do we risk him with them risking being out for months over the summer? Or do we just accept that this season ultimately is just playing for pride and position really sort of nothing really to compete for and do you say fine we'll play sort of Cedric in there now he's sort of recovered let's not risk Tierney for for 90 minutes what do you do sort of do you I mean Chelsea I don't think I'd play the youngsters I think you sort of expect Aubameyang and or Lacazette to play Saka looks good Smith Rowe scored his first Premier League goal you can't really drop him Odegaard I mean he's probably going back to Madrid what do you do for him for three games so you want the big players to start against some of your biggest rivals, but is it is it worth it for, for them all to play, or do you just mix it up with for the last three games? But Saka, Saka, Smith Rowe, Tierney, I'd I'd like to see him there just because they've probably been our best three players this season. Sure, Smith Rowe is a doubt for the moment, isn't it? With he, I he think is with really the ham- yeah, hamstring injury. Yeah, I think you might you might see Odegaard come in there then in that case mm-hmm. for for Smith Rowe, but but Saka at left back probably. And then, uh, I don't know. I don't like him playing on the wing, but we'll go all guns blazing and play Bamiang on the left, Pepe on the right, and like it up top with Odegaard sort of just in behind. Um, obviously, on the game against West Brom on Sunday, um, Gabriel Martinelli played up front. I thought, personally, I think he got a bit bullied and he looked... Maybe, maybe Mikel Arteta kind of... <clears throat> like Obviously, a lot of fans have been calling for him to start up front and to to be playing in that centre-forward role. But I think maybe we got to see maybe the reason why Arteta hasn't been doing that because I think he got a bit bullied by the the, the West Brom centre-backs. Eduardo, what's your kind of take on Martinelli and centre-forward? Do you agree with that? Or do you think he should 
be given a couple more games to like be given a chance to prove himself in that role. I think so. I think so. I mean, when you have like a constant regularity in, in, in a role, you have to you have to start getting game time there to accommodate yourself. This his last few few games he's been playing at left wing and changing from left wing to center forward in one game, it's not easy to do at the age of 19. So I think he still has to has to get other chances there. Well, we'll see what the plan for Balagoon is because if he's going to be the backup center forward, you're going to have to move Martinelli to the left. So I think you can accommodate 15 players in the side, so you're going to have to make decisions. And whatever they think is better for him, it's going to have to be. And I think it's center forward personally, but if they choose to go left wing, I wouldn't mind either. So we will have to see. Chris, what's your take on... Martinelli and centre-forward, do you think he's best there or do you think the, the wing is his best position? Well, based on what we've seen of Gabby so far, I'd say on, on, on the wing he's, um, he's best, but you can still tell, you know, he's adjusting as a centre-forward. We've, we've uh, seen some footage of him in training, um, working on his finishing. There's obviously been a few people say that they are sort of um, training him up as more of a centre-forward, as a striker. Um, and I think he's got the potential to play there. Absolutely. We've seen before, you know, he's um, he's a good finisher in front of goal, good instinct. Yeah. Um, and I think he can make it there. But I just think, you know, physically, um, he's got to improve if he wants to sort of play there more regularly. And and obviously just just getting used to that role. There's still early days for him in, in, in the, the centre forward position. Um, and I, I'm sure, you know, in training and maybe every now and then in games, as we saw yesterday, Arteta will try him there to gradually uh, get him used to it. Um, but obviously, certainly from what we've seen so far, his speed, his work rate, uh, work rate, sorry, on those on those wings is is um, is brilliant. I think I think it'll be better for Arsenal next season if they're on the left rather than through the middle. Um, it's sort of there's a I know there's a lot of. Um, like worry about Lacazette's future in terms of he's only got 12 months left obviously and he's there's potential they'll leave this summer or leave on a free next summer there's Aubameyang we're not really sure what's going on with him because he's obviously recovering from malaria um, so it's a case that Arsenal probably can get by probably with Aubameyang next season and maybe Balogun beneath him um, and maybe sign like another striker to take a Bamiang's place in the future and then rotate Balogun and the other striker. Whereas on the left, Arsenal seem quite threadbare. You know, we've seen Smith Rowe play there a lot. Um, Saka and Pepe, I, I, I prefer them both on the right, I think, which is a bit difficult. Um, and then obviously there's William, but if Martinelli was to play on the left and then you could maybe incorporate a Bamiang through the middle, that would feel a lot more. Um, satisfying than having to choose between Martinelli and Aubameyang for, you know, the central striking role. We obviously just to kind of reel it back to the Chelsea game, just to, we're going to, we're going to do a quick round of previews, see who, who can get the most exciting one, but um, kind of predictions and stuff. So Josh, we'll start off with you. How do you see this game going? What's your uh, predicted score? Um, I think our away from three better than our home from this season, which I think, may encourage me a bit more to be a bit bold with it. I, I just can't see Chelsea risking not a meaningless league game because they're still fighting between themselves and Leicester and West Ham for Champions League. But you expect them to be the safest. Does it really matter? Do they care if they lose to Arsenal if they go and win the FA Cup in the Champions League and get top four? Not really. Um, 
I think we'll see a lot of rotation from Chelsea. I think we'll see uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette probably come back into that. Maybe Tierney as well. Um, we always concede. I don't think I trust our defence, even though we've looked solid this season than last. Uh, I'll say 2-1 um, win for Arsenal. Just because I think Chelsea, Chelsea have too much to play for in the league. This league game isn't their priority. I think we've definitely got a chance of beating them based off of squad rotation and they'll probably they'll probably rest players. But Ben, Ben, how do you see this this game going? Do you reckon they'll rest players and what do you reckon the score is going to be? I don't know. They rested five or six for the City game, didn't they? Um, which I think I think for them that was a sort I think that was probably the throwaway game where they sort of went, you know what, it's Manchester City will rest our players ahead of the FA Cup final and we're probably going to lose. They came away with a win. I know a few Chelsea fans I spoke to were just as surprised as everyone else and they managed to snatch that. Um, and it's put, them in, it's put them in a pretty good spot, especially with West Ham, you know, coming unstuck at the weekend. They've got what, I'm just looking at it now, I think West Ham are six points off uh, Chelsea with three games to go. Mm-hmm. And Liverpool would be four points off Chelsea with three games to go if they win their game in hand. So it's not, you know, it's not sure. It's not a full-on conclusion that they'll get top four, but it's certainly a lot bright. It's a much brighter prospect than it was, you know, ten days ago sure. um, for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So I think that there could be rotation, but I'm not confident of it because I think they've got a deep enough squad to play a pretty strong side whilst also resting players that they didn't rest at the weekend. Like, um, you know, I think Kante was rested and Mount was rested and still they were all right. Sure. Um, I don't know. Tuchel's got them playing a very aggressive style of football, but I think Arsenal are really going to struggle with, if I'm being honest. Um, I mean, most managers have struggled with it, but I think it'll probably be... I'm going to say 1-1 because I never like predicting an Arsenal defeat, but I, that's probably the most pessimistic 1-1 I've ever gone for. <laughs> Eduardo, what's your, what's your score prediction for this game? And just kind of briefly summing up, how do you feel about um, ahead of Wednesday? Well... It's not as important as it could have been. Of course, it would have been a fight for top four or something like that. But I think we're going to win 2-1. I, okay. I will never predict an Arsenal defeat because I still believe we're a top club and we can't, we can't accept that. So I, say, I think 2-1, they're going to have to rotate. I saw the table right now and even if they lose, they remain third. So, well, if Leicester win, they're going to go fourth, but that's not going to change. So... I think we we can pull it off if they're they're on a break and they don't really care for the game. So two one. Two one. Two one. Chris, how are you feeling? Um, yeah, again, I'm I'm not overly confident and it's gonna be a, a tough game. Um and we're gonna have to to um be at our best. But again, I, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and predict an Arsenal loss. That, that wouldn't be right of me. And we've we've got to try and stay optimistic. So I think I'll say two one Arsenal as well, and hopefully um Hopefully Kante plays for, for, for Chelsea. Hopefully Martinelli plays for Arsenal and we can... Uh, <laughs> it'll be a bit of deja vu. That would be nice. We'd love to see it. We'd love to see it. I mean, to be honest, I can see the headlines already. I can see Werner finding his um, finding his rhythm and finding his goals against us because that always seems to the, mm. be the way it happens. But um, <clears throat> I can I can I think there's going to be goals in this game. But um, for the sake of making it different, I'm going to say 3-2 to Arsenal. And I think, yeah, I think it might be a bit, a bit of a goal fest. But... Yeah, so um, just kind of to, to wrap up the podcast on a couple of talking points, uh, we had we put out a um, tweet on Twitter earlier saying about um, anyone had any questions to ask on the podcast to go for it. And 
Um, Eduardo, one of the questions that someone asked, um, Jack, one of the people who also writes for Avil and comes on this podcast, wanted to know how long till Arsenal become a top four club again? Next season. If not, it's unforgivable. We've cool. been, we haven't been competing for top four in five years now. So mm. we, we don't have more room for, for excuses. So I think next season is a must. If we, if we fail to get top four because of one point or because of a dodgy decision, it's okay. But if we're eighth in May or ninth, that's, that's just not right. And we will have to ask every single question possible to change the situation. What do you think? What do you think it t- it will take to get us to be a top four club again? Like what what things have to happen to make us get to that point? Heavy spending this summer, getting this the signings right because spending by spending is not really mm. anything because we we can spend sixty million on a player that does enough for anything. So I think getting the things right, signing the right players, spending money to get a lot of names in because you're gonna have to ship a lot of them out. And you're going to have to have a squad. At least we're not going to have to have as big a squad because we're not in European competition, but mm. you're going to have to sign quality. And to get to top four, you're going to need game, game changers and game winners. So those take, those take a lot of money. So I think it's that getting... Arteta has to sort himself out as well because he's learning, but he's going to be here for over two years now and he's got to, he's got to show, start showing for it. So... No more excuses from him, no more excuses from the players, and no more excuses from the board. That's what I expect to get there. We, um, on the previous podcast with Eduardo, we had, I put out a um, hypothetical question asking if you could sign one player, um, who would it be? And you said Jack Grealish, and we got quite a lot of, um, well, I got quite a lot of backlash from that tweet from a lot of Aston Villa fans who seem to be very protective of their, well, their only, well, realistically, their player that would keep them in the Premier League. But, um, We'll put that hypothetical question out again, but with a bit of a spin on it. So, Chris, just to kind of include you in this debate as well, if you if you are on that Arsenal board for next season, and let's say you can sign three players in three positions to strengthen the squad and to hopefully put us back to becoming that top four um, side again. Sorry to put you a bit on the spot, but kind of what, what three players would you choose? Um, oh, yeah. Um, Emi Brendier from Norwich. I'll go okay. Um, Basuma, Brighton's Basuma, um, to come in play play central midfield, maybe alongside Partey, um, and then probably a right back, um, Hakimi maybe from from Inter, um, mm. but failing if we you know, obviously there's a lot of um, speculation that he 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 you know he's not available, um, so then maybe someone like Max Ehrens as a a plan B. Um, but yeah, just to touch on what what Edu said about having a really strong summer. Mm. Yeah, we've we've got to have a strong summer, and it, it's got to be executed perfectly. We've got to get it spot on this time. There's no more space for for mistakes because we've we've made mistakes in the past when it comes to transfers, even sort of the last summer transfer window, um, and it's cost us. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, you want to target players that have quality, that have proven they have the ability. Um, but also, alongside that, you want to get people in that have the right attitude, that have um, a lot of dedication and take pride in, in, in representing Arsenal Football Club, someone who will leave everything out on the pitch each game. Um, 
and uh, I'd also like to see us target some some more English uh, base players, um, people that have played in the Premier League before or currently play in the Premier League, know what what, what it takes to to make it in this in a very demanding um, top quality league. Um, someone who who you know what comes with it and who is maybe already experienced or has experience of playing the in the league. So you know there's no sort of adapting form as as such. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd love to sort of, um, sit here and imagine us having a really, really good summer. Um, I think obviously the, there's been quite a few reports as, as one of you mentioned earlier that the Cronkays are, are going to massively back Arteta in the summer and it's, you know, we're going to spend, um, and yeah, obviously that is one of the first steps that we need to take to get, to get back into, to the, um, the main stage next season to get into the Champions League to, to get that top four spot we've got to spend and we've got to to get it absolutely spot on um, and then along with with spending then comes the, the pre-season the season itself and that's a lot of hard work a lot of effort a lot of dedication um, to get to get you know to get us playing the, the way we, we want to be playing the way we need to get playing to to you know get our achievements and reach our goals so um so, yeah, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. We'll have a good summer and we'll get it spot on. And we've learned from our mistakes. But again, I know, as we also touched on earlier, do, do you really you know, trust the people in charge at the club based on the decisions they've made before? And I've got to admit, I'm not overly confident, but you can only hope, can't you, I guess? Yeah, no, fingers crossed. And yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. We, we really do um, hope for a, a big summer. And I think, Arteta summed it up as well, saying it's unprecedented the amount of business they'll have to do this summer. So we really hope that the right people uh, leave the club, the right people come in, and we'll just wait and see as far as also the Daniel Ek takeover and what goes on there. But cheers, guys, for joining us for the podcast. It's been it's been brilliant to have you on again. We'll definitely have to do another one soon. Um, but yeah, we're going to call it there, guys. Um, make sure to tweet us at ArsenalBabble1 just to kind of give us some reactions to this podcast. Check out all the guys in the description. Chris and Edu will be below as well as uh, Josh and Ben. And catch us in the next episode soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.